This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you like what you're hearing, which, come on, let's face it, you do. Make sure to tell a friend. You can find us on iTunes, the app, or my site, AllisonRosen.com. Hello, my little grape tomatoes. It's me, Allison. Before the show officially starts, we have time for a few words. Hello, Gary. Hey, Allison. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Just fine, thanks. I think we have an iTunes comment of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars. All right. This week's iTunes comment of the week comes from Apocalyptus. And it is titled, This Show is Icky in the Best Way. If you're looking for a show that's full of interesting, hilarious, and sometimes nauseatingly revealing interviews, then look no further. I'm not the first to call Allison Rosen a top-notch interviewer that gets every drop of dramatic detail out of her guests. Oh, you are, actually, and but thank you, you. And if you start listening, I know I won't be the last. Thank you. That's very nice. Gary, have you ever left an iTunes comment? Sure. Do you have some – because I was thinking about the clever name Apocalyptica, which I might have just butchered. And I was thinking about all the different names people have. And I feel like if I left one – actually, I have left one and I used my, I used my own name. I wouldn't have a clever name. Do you have a clever name? No. You know why? Because it would take me forever to come up with my clever name. Not that I'm not clever because I think I am. Just things like that take me forever. Yeah, I, I don't even try to be clever. I know I'm not. Good. It's good to know your limitations. Yeah. Just kidding. I'm not agreeing with you. No, you're yes ending. I'm just trying to get it. I'm just trying to. Okay. Wonderful. In case anyone doesn't know, we just uh, finished doing a lot of of recording with Adam Carolla. So we're both a little bit at a. um, We're a little low energy because it's been a long day. But you know what? You don't need to know that. Why did I even tell you? I don't know. Is my fake energy coming through right now? Because I am really trying to make it. My gestures are large. I'm pulling away from the microphone so that I can talk louder. Okay, I got that out of my system. Anyway, if you would like your iTunes comment to be an iTunes comment of the week, just leave us an iTunes comment and uh, click five stars. That's our favorite number when it comes to iTunes comments. And then maybe we'll read your comment on the show. Also, if you want to email us, that is A-R-I-Y-M-B-F at AdamCarolla.com. I want to tell you guys about our good friends over at GoToMeeting. I love GoToMeeting. They are one of my favorite sponsors. Um, It's hot. It is so hot. By the time you hear this, it might be 400 degrees, or at least it feels like it. A lot of sweat going on, Um, and a lot of not wanting to have to go into the office if I don't have to, and I'm sure that you feel the same way. In this day and age, why haul your buns into the office to meet with your coworkers when you can meet with them from the convenience of your home or wherever you happen to be on vacation? Maybe you're in line getting coffee. Maybe you're in a lagoon of some sort. Point is, you can still meet with your coworkers. You can go to meeting on your computer, laptop, or desktop, uh, your iPad, or your iPhone. You can see each other, crystal clear HD quality. You can hear each other with uh, just one tap. You can share your screen so you can collaborate on documents. It makes everything so much easier. And perhaps you are tempted at times to just communicate via email. We all are. It's so easy. However, go to meeting really it, it, it is a stand-in for meeting in person. It takes the place where you get everything done that you would in person. And all the information that you get from being able to actually see the person's face and see and make sure that they're paying attention to you, make sure they understand, you can do that with GoToMeeting. Gary and I use it. Every time we use it, we are so impressed with how well it works. And then when I go back to email, I feel lonely because I feel like I had actually feel like I actually was hanging out with the person. But this is not about my needs for companionship. This is about your need to make your life more efficient and more effective. That's right. Try GoToMeeting for free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code Allison. Once again, that's GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code Allison. Okay. Here it comes. The interview that you've been waiting for with Kumail Nanjiani. Um, I love talking to him. You guys are going to love 
listening to this, and、uh, I want to tell you that his special beta mail is going to be available July twenty third on CD and DVD. You can get it on. We、well, can get it a number of places. I would recommend Amazon. And if you're going to buy something on Amazon, why not click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen dot com? It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it helps the show.、Uh, also, we have a ringtone available. Hey. hey. You can just get that by searching "Hey, go fuck yourself" from your iPhone in the iTunes Store. Also, we have a special bonus episode recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival with Doug Benson and Greg Proops, and that is available for a dollar ninety nine in the comedy album section of the iTunes Store. I think that is it. Is that it, Gary? He's nodding. That's how low energy he is. Can you just just eke out a yes? Yes. <sighs> Thank you. I have closure now. You're welcome. <laughs> you guys can't see, but Gary is speaking in an incredibly labored way, really enunciating. It's good to enunciate. It is good. Okay, this has gone on long enough. You guys are ready for the episode, and here it comes. I love you. Hey everyone! Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I'm here with Kumail Nanjiani. Am I saying it right? Exactly right. I'm excited to have you on my show. Thank you so much for having me. I think you're hilarious. Oh, thank you. And、uh, my dad, who is quite a fan of comedy, he quotes your.、Uh, The character that you played on Portlandia. Wait, your dad likes comedy. Like he likes Portlandia. He does. Wow. Yeah, I was actually joking when I said he's quite a fan of comedy. Although he really is a fan of comedy, he's more plugged into pop culture than I am. I think.、Um, but anyway, yeah, he, he like he'll mention your role on Portlandia, and then he'll just giggle to himself. Oh, that's great. Where does your dad live?、Uh, in Orange County. So he gets all the Portlandia like the. Hipster things that it's making fun of. You know, I don't know. Similar with him watching South Park, I don't know that he gets all of it. <laughs> he、sort、likes like, it, yeah. But sort of like how little kids can like something, and then you're like, what? What are you getting of this? You know, yeah.、That's、sort of. He's on the other side of that now, where I think that I don't think he's getting all the references, but he still thinks it's funny. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid watching stuff, being like, I like it, but I don't know why I、yes. like it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, was it? Oh no! There, what, oh fuck! There was a movie that I was recently thinking about that was like my favorite movie for the longest time. It was with Bette Midler and maybe Nick Nolte,、uh, something Beverly Hills or I don't know. I'll, I'll remember it, but I don't know. Danny DeVito was in it. Anyway, I don't know what I liked about it because I was too young, I think, to really、yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. Down but then and out in Beverly Hills. Down and out in Beverly Hills. No, I don't think that's what that is.、Uh, that is a movie that I have in my head, but no, there was something with Bette Midler and Danny DeVito, and there was like a whole revenge plot. Or was that Down and Out in Beverly Hills? See what else? See what else has Bette Midler and Danny DeVito and、okay. Beverly Hills in the title? Yeah, but not Beverly Hills. <laughs> but not Beverly Hills Ninja or、right. Beverly Hills Cop. No, although I did like Beverly Hills Cop. Oh yeah, I love Beverly Hills、yeah. Cop. A Beverly Hills Cop too. I like too. I when I was a kid, if the subject matter was something I would like, I always liked the movie. I don't think I disliked the movie until like pretty late. What happened? You lost your innocence. I think that's what it is. You start then sort of thinking, and you're not just enjoying it. Obviously, there were like grown-up movies that I didn't watch. You know, I didn't watch like Terms of Endearment or anything. <laughs> I would have hated that movie. But like pretty much everything. Like my favorite movie was this movie called Crawl. K R U L L. It's like this. Fantasy type movie where he's got this weird boomerangy weapon. It was、uh-huh. my favorite movie, and now I—it's—it's it's a terrible movie. Yeah, it's boring too.、Uh, Ruthless People was the name of the movie that I liked for years and years. That's a great name for a movie. You haven't seen it? I haven't seen it, but I'm aware of it. No, if it would hold up or not. I felt that Pretty in Pink did not hold up. You know, I missed a lot of those. This is going to give me some hate, but I missed like Sixteen Candles and all of those. So I, my wife, big fan of those movies. So she showed me Sixteen Candles, and I was like, "This movie is not that good." <laughs> like it does not. There's like the Chinese, the Long Duck Dong. Yeah, we were okay with that. Not that wasn't that long ago. It's funny. 
Yeah. It's funny how uh, how that was totally okay then. Yeah. People were like, oh, yeah, he's the weird Asian guy. Right. Because he's Asian. <laughs> he's weird. <laughs> it, just, yeah, it just makes sense. Well, maybe you were just – how old were you when you saw Sixteen Candles? I mean, this was very recently. Yeah. I feel like that John Hughes stuff really hits the high school yeah. age. Um, now, so you grew up in Pakistan, though, right? That's right. And you moved here for college? That's right. Grinnell? Grinnell. Was that the – so w- did you go from um, – Pakistan to Iowa? That's that- right. Yep. Straight from Karachi to Des Moines. And then drove from Des Moines to the tiny town that Grinnell is in. How, how did you decide on Grinnell, first of all? Because I feel like people listening are going to be like, I haven't even heard of that college. Oh, yeah. I have because I also went to a small liberal arts college. Where did you go? I went to Pomona. Okay, yeah. But um, my friend Dustin went to Grinnell. And so I know about Grinnell. Um, but yeah, how, like, how did you find it? I just lo- looked at a list of like, I didn't know what I was going to study, so I was like, liberal arts schools, that sounds good. Then I wanted to go to a rural area because I'd grown up in Karachi, which is like, it's kind of like New York. Like, it's very, very busy. Mm-hmm. Concrete jungle, no, you know, it's, it's, it's a very populated city. I think it's like 18 million or something. So I wanted to go to a rural area to see if it was for me. So I just went down the list and I applied to all the places and this was just the highest ranked one I got into. And you know what? When you're growing in Pakistan, you don't really have a sense of America as being like different states. Because all you see is basically New York and L.A. in the mm-hmm. movies. You think that's all of America. And then you get to Iowa and you're like, nobody fucking told me about this. <laughs> this wasn't advertised. <laughs> There's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Were well, you um, disheartened by it? No, I eventually really loved it. But after four years, I knew that I'm like a city guy. I like living in cities, you yeah. know. So, so then I moved. But it was good. If I'd come to New York and I was a Pakistani guy, nobody would have given a shit. But because I was in Iowa, it was like kind of exotic, you know? Was it ex- exotic in a good way? Or did people say a bunch of shit that was uh, Mostly up? good. It, this is a very small liberal arts school. So it's like very like white guilt liberal. <laughs> so they didn't want to admit like race existed at all. So it kind of worked in my favor. Um People would sort of ignore that part. But then they were also sometimes genuinely curious. So Mm -hmm. in school, I didn't have any negative interactions at all. It's when I left that, you know, sort of stuff happened. Right. Um, For me, like, I imagine that that would just be the most intense fish out of water. Like, I would have gotten homesick and felt like, what the hell am I doing in this place that's so far away. Did you feel any of that? Oh, yeah. The first couple of weeks were really tough. I had a I, – it was a bunk bed, you know, me and my roommate. Mm-hmm. And I would get in – I was in the bottom bunk and I would see like the bars at night of the bed above me. Uh-huh. And that's the first thing I would see in the morning. And every time I – it would feel like I was in a prison like because yeah. I couldn't relate to anyone. Everything was so different and weird. Uh, I'd never shaken hands with a girl. Just like I was so uncomfortable and I missed my parents so much. Mm-hmm. I was like kind of a mama's boy, you know. So so the first couple of weeks were really, really hard. And then it was great. What made you want to come to America for college? That was always sort of the plan with my family because Pakistan's not uh, – you really want to get out if you can. Like uh, right now, things are really bad over there too. It's always been pretty bad. A lot of poverty, a lot of crime. Mm-hmm. This one guy, this happened. So I don't think a, uh, we have pre- – you like prime ministers instead of presidents, you know, over mm-hmm. there. We haven't had a prime minister serve a full four-year term in my lifetime. My first few years, it was a uh, – dictator like a military dictator and then it's always been like coups keep happening mm-hmm. all the time so this new guy who just got elected is a guy who's i think served two half terms before before getting exiled and now he's back but we had like cricket is the big sport there and imran khan is basically like our michael jordan like he's the best and he was running for prime minister and everyone was like oh finally there's hope we like this guy <laughs> then like the week of the election he was on this like makeshift stage and he fell off it and hit his head and, like, fractured his spine in four places. And then Jeez. he lost. So that sort of, to me, is a good metaphor for the state of Pakistan. Is <laughs> like, just bad stuff happens. Right. <laughs> like, don't get your hopes up. No, yeah. Benazir Bhutto, who was, like, also sort of represented Hope, she got killed a couple of years ago. I guess it's just bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was always, the plan was always to get out and come to America. Do you have siblings? I have a younger brother. And it's, where's he? He's in New York. Yeah, so we we all eventually moved here. I moved here first on my own. And are your parents still there? No, they're here too. Oh, 
But uh, so I moved alone. Then four years later, my brother came to college. Then another four years later, uh, they moved here. So once they like put everyone through school, they like moved here. Nice. Uh, where do they live? They live in Jersey. Oh. They didn't want to, you know, <laughs> lose the Pakistan aesthetic too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you were raised Muslim. Yes. Are, do you still consider yourself? Uh, I could talk about it vaguely. I can't talk about it too specific. Right. Yeah. Because? Because uh, a lot of Muslims are very sensitive. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, we are. uh, (laughs) I didn't. I thought maybe that was just a stereotype. Well, you you know what it is with Islam? The problem is that, you know, you can you you have in your head the concept of a non-religious Jewish person and a non-practicing Christian person. But. You don't really have a concept of a non of like a moderate Muslim. Mm-hmm. The only Muslim that we sort of know of is the really strict Muslim. Right. And I think Islam as a religion hasn't gotten to the point where it's okay to sort of identify with it culturally but not like as a religion. You know, there's people who are like, I'm Jewish. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not Jewish, but right. I'm Jewish. Right. If you're not Muslim, you're not Muslim. So I think uh, people sort of have a narrow conception of what it means to be Muslim. And if I say anything that doesn't fit that, then, uh, you know, do you, people get mad. Um, I'm going to ask a question that I think is okay for you, you can to ask, answer. And if I don't okay. feel comfortable, I'll, I'll When tell you, you say people have a narrow conception, are you talking about non-Muslims or are you talking about Muslims? Muslims. Um, I did this show once, this one-man show. That was sort of about me growing up very religious Islam, moving here and sort of my journey with Islam. And I got like death threats and stuff from wow. it. So I decided that, well, and you know, I'm safe here, but my family's in Pakistan and we have the same last name. So I just decided, you know what, this is not my battle, it, which which is what sucks. Like a lot of like uh, moderate Muslim voices are silenced because the other ones, uh, the, the, the really uh, strong ones can be so militant and, mm-hmm. and violent. So I just was like, hey, it's not it's not worth it to me to like try and fight this big fucking thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have called it a fucking thing, I guess. <laughs> That's not going to help. <clears throat> but when, but initially when, before you made that decision, were you speaking about it because you were trying to fight like some kind of monolith or was it that you were telling just your personal story? I really was just telling my personal story. And because of because a lot of my personal story has to do with um things that uh in Islam that I sort of struggled with because I had because that was part of it uh people conceived of it as me trying to fight this monolithic thing which is really not what it was my parents heard about it because I did it in Chicago and there were like reviews of it my parents heard about it and they got really angry and then I showed it to them, and they actually kind of they liked it. They they didn't agree with what I was saying, but they realized that it was more like a work of love than a work of hate. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. trying to destroy anything. I was just trying to sort of talk about my journey with it and what uh, where I ended up with with it. And uh, but you know, you take excerpts out and you put that in a newspaper, and most Muslim countries, blasphemy is punishable by death. So you know, here separation of church and state is such an important aspect of what the country is. We don't have that. Our laws are based on Islamic laws. So, I mean, I've said certain things that I haven't been back to Pakistan in 14 years. If I go back, they could try me and kill me for these things, even though it's nothing that hateful. Does that mean you probably won't be going back? I want to visit. I want to visit. I think I could sort of just go and stay under the radar and stuff. Uh, you know, my wife is from North Carolina. She's never been, and that's obviously such a huge part of me that she doesn't really have access to. I mean, I go to North Carolina all the time, and she's mm-hmm. never, you know, I, I miss it. I have such a strange relationship with Pakistan. Like, I miss it, and I love the people, and I love the food, but so much of it is, like, very close-minded and violent, and uh, I don't know. I still haven't come to terms with uh, my relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Do you stay up to date on what's going on over there? Like, do you read the press? I try or? to. It's such a bummer. It's really, really, like I know right now things are really bad. It just, you only read about Pakistan if it's bad stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you go to CNN.com and the story starts with Pakistan. You're like, all right, a certain number <laughs> of people died there today. And if it's not that, it's the fucking earthquake. So, 
uh, I, I do. I do try and keep up, but it really is very depressing. Are your where are your parents on the spectrum of conservative to them? You, uh, I would say pretty conservative, but fairly open minded for very religious Muslims. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they're. Their friends are like Christians and Hindus and everything, which I think very conservative Muslims would not be friends with Hindus. Uh, you know, they're friends with everyone. Uh, they're fairly – they're now OK with me marrying Emily. So they're OK with that. So they're now OK with it. Did, was it a struggle? Yeah. I mean in the beginning it wasn't good. They did not uh, – they were not happy about it. Well, I had this weird story with Emily uh, where she – we were dating a few months, and it, she, it was secret from my parents, the relationship, and then she got really sick. She's fine now, so I could tell that she's like, it's like nothing. This but is she, your wife, Emily Gordon, with whom you host the Indoor Kids podcast on Nerdist. That's correct. She, like, fell into this – this is going to sound heavy, but she's fine now. We've all processed it. She fell into this coma for eight days. Oh, my God. So I uh, hung out with her parents for eight days. Like, it was this crazy time. But So I told my parents during then – so they saw how much I loved her, you know, and they were like uh, completely supportive. And then as soon as she came out of the coma, they got angry. Then they were like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, at least they had good timing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then, you know. What the fuck are you doing? Because what? They believe that you need I sh- to. I should have married a Muslim woman that my mom had. You know, since I was a little kid, my mom had like jewelry that she'd bought that was like, hey, when you when I find you a wife, I'll give her this jewelry. So arranged marriage. Yeah. But it was kind of sweet. My mom gave Emily that jewelry, oh, you know. Yeah. That's very heartwarming. Yeah, it's great. They get along. They lo- Emily's like the most likable person in the world. And so my parents love her now. And they literally, what we did was, Emily and I, people didn't know about this for years, but we just went to, when she came out, when she was healthy enough, um, we went to like a justice of the, got married. And then when we went to visit my parents, we were already married. So Mm -hmm. they met her as my wife. So I told them, I was like, hey, we're married and we're coming to visit. And so what my mom did was in two weeks set up this huge elaborate like Pakistani wedding so she could sort of, that was her way of, you know, sort of making it okay for herself. So it was really sweet. That is sweet. Yeah. How did Emily fall into a coma? She had this weird... So she it, – it's a weird thing. So she's had like pneumonia four or five times, which always just goes away. It's fine. It doesn't matter. So she was sick for a little bit and she thought she'd bumped her chest. Uh, she went to the doctor and the doctor like in an ambulance took her to the hospital and it was this crazy thing. And turns out uh, they ran tests on her, couldn't figure out what it was. And they found out there's this thing called – it's called Stills disease. Mm-hmm. It's very, very rare. There's no test for it. It was like on an episode of House, you know, as the crazy disease that he <laughs> says and everyone's like, you're crazy. <laughs> uh, and it was on an episode of this show called Medical Mysteries called uh, – the her episode was called Frenetic Genetics. It's quite a prestigious disease. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. And it's not necessarily a disease. It's a condition. So uh, it's sort of like arthritis, but instead of attacking the joints, it attacks the organs. Mm-hmm. So it thinks that the heart – and the lungs and everything are uh, foreign bodies. So it's, so it's like autoimmune. Thing. Sort of, yeah. It's an autoimmune thing. But um, now that they know what it is, uh, it's episodic. So she gets an episode once a year, but they treat it. And, you know, she has these pills and it goes away right away. So she's totally, she's totally fine now. Good. How did you guys meet? At a, she heckled me at a show. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what did she say? I just mentioned I was from Pakistan and she wooed. And I was like, wow, <laughs> we would have noticed you in Pakistan. <laughs> and then I looked for her afterwards and she had left because she was so embarrassed. And then I ran into her at a bar a few days later and I was like, you're the girl that fucking heckled me. Had you thought of her in the interim? I had. Listen, she was very, very cute. I remember being like, oh, that girl's super cute. Uh, but then. You know, I mean, I in, as soon as I saw her, I was like, "Oh, that's the girl that I wanted to talk to." Like, I looked for her afterwards, mm-hmm. but then a couple of, couple of days later, I yeah ran into her. I asked her out. She said no. Why? I don't know. She's just out of a relationship. And where was this? Chicago. Okay. This was in Chicago, and we uh, we should actually go. We were just in Chicago, but we don't go back to the bar that we talked to. The, it's a terrible bar. <laughs> It's one of those bars that you're like, I feel like these guys might be skinheads. Like there's some weird I've, vibe. I've been to a bar like that down in Orange County. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
Um, well, I think part of it has to do with the fact that uh, colloquial, colloquially it's sort of known as Club Nazi. Oh, that might be So I feel like it. that's a – yeah. Maybe it's more than it might be. <laughs> it's changed names now, but this, back in the day it was known yeah, as Club Nazi. There's so. swastikas everywhere. Right. Do you think that means something? They celebrate Hitler's birthday. <laughs> there is a place that celebrates Hitler's birthday down in Huntington Beach, actually. Is that a real thing? Yeah. How is that okay? I know. First Amendment. Yeah. So they openly celebrate it. I don't know that it's open, but every now and then there will be an article. I don't know if they still do it there, but every now and then there will be an article about how – uh, they celebrate Hitler's birthday there. Do you know about the Gary Old World Hall? No. I, I don't know that they still do it. It's fucking they, crazy to me. Yeah, Old World Hall in Huntington Beach. Um, it's a it's a restaurant and a bar, and they have shows there. That's the thing. Like I had been to shows there. I don't. I, I mean, this is going back years. I don't know if they still do. But then I remember reading and hearing that they uh, celebrate Hitler's birthday there. I feel like if you're militant enough to celebrate his birthday, you should be doing more than that. You're, I feel like maybe you are. You're a really shitty Nazi if all you're doing is celebrating his birthday yeah. once a yeah, year. Yeah, you're just there for the good times. Yeah, what about the hard times? <laughs> yeah, exactly. what are you, how are you fighting the good fight right now? That's the problem with the movement. People are so lazy. <laughs> they just want to have fun. I know, Hitler fucking really, you know. Yeah, what would he say? Yeah, what, <laughs> what would he, he say? would be happy about it? So, okay, so you guys, so wait, you were in Chicago. Did you live in Chicago after college? Yeah, I moved from Iowa to Chicago to do like comedy, mm-hmm. and I was there for a uh, long time—five years. Why Chicago over New York or LA? Well, um, I never really wanted to do LA because it never. Uh, New York was the place I always wanted to end up at because you know I loved Woody Allen movies, and that was the. Were American- you just about to say something negative about LA and then thought better of it? Well, I love LA now. I genuinely do. But when I was moving here, I did not think I would love it. Yeah. If you visit LA, it feels like a giant suburb. It kind of feels like, to me, it felt like it had no personality. Because mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't really. Yeah. But I've learned to, I really like it here now. Oh, well, good. Um, but New York was, you know, the America that I'd seen in the movies is not Iowa. It was New York. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to go there. Uh, but I moved to Chicago because it was, first of all, close to Iowa and a lot of my friends moving there and like a lot of really, um, you know, a lot of great comedy came yeah. from Chicago, like Bill Murray and Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert. I mean, almost everyone. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I want to start where those guys started, you know. So Okay. So she said no. Then what happened? Oh, and then we exchanged numbers anyway. And then three days later, I got a text where she was like, hey, do you want to get platonic dinner? <laughs> And then we were making out outside of a falafel place later that day. I was like, <laughs> is this how your platonic dinners usually right. go? Did she explain that she did, did, did? I mean, was she explaining what was happening? Like, well, I know that I had said that, but now obviously it's not platonic or. Well, I think it just was. She was like, I can't get into a relationship. I just came out of one. I have to be alone, all this stuff. So we had just dinner and it was great. It was funny because I, we were having dinner right by where I lived. Um, and I came out to go get coffee like an hour before dinner, and I saw her walking around, and I was like, oh, so she didn't want to be late, so she got here <laughs> way too early, so then I was like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> I got this. Um, and then, uh, yeah, well, the first like month or so, we were like, we cannot date. So when she would come over to watch movies, I would throw like dirty laundry on my bed so we wouldn't hook up. <laughs> Did it work? No, we hooked up on top of dirty laundry. <laughs> it was gross. But awesome. And, but so she couldn't date you because she didn't think she should be in a relationship, and you felt like you couldn't date her because she wasn't Muslim, or no? I never really dated anybody who was Muslim. Maybe one girl, kind of. I just hadn't. I, I hadn't been thinking about it as, you know, like you my, just wanted to hook up. I just wanted to hook up. Yeah, that's what I tell Emily. Like I didn't want to like marry you. <laughs> I just wanted to have sex with you. A bunch of times, and then see what happens. Right. Not even the see what happens even wasn't the important part of it. Um, for me, I wasn't really thinking of my parents were putting so much pressure on me for arranged marriage and stuff, and uh, I I knew I wasn't going to do that, but I also couldn't see myself standing up to them. Mm-hmm. So it was a weird sort of limbo where I was just kind of doing what I wanted to do, but when things got kind of serious, I would freak out. So in a way, her getting sick, like really. I don't know, made me, like, man up a little bit. If she hadn't, do you think that you would still be... I like, think what would so. have happened? 
I think we would have stayed together. We would we would be married now, but maybe we would have gotten married later. Just because we worked together so well, there was no... It was never anything like that. I remember soon as she was... The moment she was in the uh, coma, like the right then in the hospital, I remember looking at her being like, if she comes out of this, I'm going to marry this girl. And that was the first time I thought that. And uh, the whole time, I was like, just come out of it so we can get married. And then we did, so... That's out. very sweet. That must have been really um, scary and awful. It's weird. Like, yeah, it was intensely scary. And now when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know how I got through that. But I think when you're in the moment, you just kind of do it. You know, you just do stuff. You like, eat. I ate a lot more French fries for every meal. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you just sort of figure out the things. Like, I went to the hospital gym a lot. You just kind of like, they have a hospital gym? Yeah, there's a hospital gym. That's and nice. Cause in the ICU, she, she was by far the youngest person there. So all the nurses, like, really took care of us. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know. I, it, people say that it, it's like it doesn't feel like a brave thing to me. Mm-hmm. It just felt like I was just, like, sort of doing stuff. And, you know, I was always at the hospital every day and talking to these doctors. And none of it made sense. You just kind of do it. Time passes by. There's nothing you can do, you know. Were you there when she came out of it? We got there. She came out of it in the middle of the night. So it was, and you know, so this had become a schedule every day for eight days. We would go there at 9 a.m. and we would stay there till like 7 p.m. Just all the doctor's meetings. Mm -hmm. And every day was a new thing. Like I know day one was, uh, they were like, does she have HIV? And I was like, God, I (laughs) hope not for like many reasons. Yeah. and then, so each day was different. There was like a day where they thought it was leukemia. Like they were just, they had no idea what it was. So, so we would just go every day expecting nothing, expecting nothing. nothing. And then one day, day nine, we, we went there and we walked in and she was up. And we saw that her, temp, her temperature had been like 104 for eight days, 103. And it was like down to 99. And we were like, what the fuck? So, um, yeah, it was just one day we went and... She, she was up. Mm-hmm. The doctor, one of the doctors figured out what it was and, uh, you know, gave her what she needed. How soon after did you propose? It was this weird, we didn't, I didn't even, I actually didn't propose to her. <laughs> We'd already been married a couple of years before I proposed to her because I realized, oh, I never really properly proposed to her. Because <laughs> our whole thing was, well, first of all, it must have been kind of weird for her because, I was this uh, sort of commitment phobe, and she goes to sleep for one night to her, wakes up, and now suddenly I'm, like, super into her, and I know all her childhood stories from her parents. <laughs> so uh, we just sort of, I think she came out in, like, uh, May, and we got married in July. Uh, we just kind of talked about it. We didn't have, like, a proposal or anything. We were just, like, I was, I was like, I told my parents. She was like, okay, they my parents i was like well this is what kind of maybe what we could do and she was like okay let's do it uh, you know it felt right to us even the timing felt good mm-hmm. yeah how long ago was that that was we got married 2007 secretly and then we didn't tell people we were married i think like it's for so long we had all these fake dates you know because there was the date we got married at the court then the date that my mom thinks we got married <laughs> then the date where our friends then think we got married so i think 2009 is when we told people Mm -hmm. yeah okay so you but you've actually been married for six years six years how is it i'm engaged so i'm trying to find out what marriage is really like congratulations thank you very much how long have you guys been dating two years that's great i think that's a really good amount of time i'm i'm scared suddenly fear is starting to set in do you guys live together yeah uh then it's not really going to be that different um for for us, we did move in together before we got married, mm-hmm. even if it was just for a month. Just to see, it's not really that different, especially now. I imagine having kids is the next big thing. Are you guys going to do that? Yeah, we want to do it. Uh, I'm so scared of that. Why? Well, I mean, what if my kid grows up to become a porn star? You know, like, <laughs> I, not that there's anything wrong with that. I think porn is great, but I just don't want my kid to become a porn star. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just, there's so many things you can fuck up with. I know it does seem that way. It really does. They remember 
like shit that happens when they're like four months old and stuff forever. Like it becomes part of them. So you're mm-hmm. like sort of creating their neural pathways when they're babies. It's a horrifying thought. Do you think that some of the reason we feel that way is because we hang out with comedians who are keenly aware of everything their parents did wrong? I think that might be it. And so much of what comedians do is sort of explain away their problems as my parents fucked me up. Yeah. That might be part of it. It's also, if you think about it, how many people have been parents and nobody's ever done a perfect job. So it's a very impossible. difficult job. It's an impossible job. No one's ever nailed it in the history of time. <laughs> no no well, one has nailed it. So is there just a flaw in the system then? Well, maybe. I mean, you just do the best you can, I guess. I guess the most important thing is love them. But I remember my mom said something to me. And my mom loves me so much. When I was like seven or eight, she said something about my appearance. And for 10 years, I had super low self-esteem because of that. What did she say? Oh, I hope she doesn't listen to this. She's going to break her heart. I was like six or seven, and she said that I had a big nose. She said it looked like like an eggplant because I, when I was a kid, you know, my it was a weird proportioned face. Yeah. And then for years, I thought I was super ugly. Aww. I had this thing like, this is true. I wouldn't talk to like uh, shopkeepers because I thought they wouldn't want to sell me stuff because I was too ugly <laughs> for them to sell me stuff. Uh-huh. And that was one thing my mom said, yeah. her and her sister. And they laughed. And it is funny. They were laughing. And they said that. And then for 10 years, that stayed with me. So that's fucking terrifying to me. Right. But then did it lift? Now do you yeah, not want- okay. I feel good. Well, you I don't, you know, you just realize like I guess looks aren't as important and um you know like when you're 13 or 14, you're so like I was so aware of my physicality, like yeah. the way I looked and the way everything I was so like aware of it. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean I I said like I felt like my, my hair was self-conscious. Like I had like Nerve endings on my hair. That's how much I felt like, like, like <laughs> brimming with feeling like every bit of me is conspicuous. Oh, yeah. You feel like every part of you people are scrutinizing yeah. at all times. And yet really they're just thinking about themselves. Yeah. And part of them thinking about themselves is sometimes shitting on you. Yeah. That's a big part of like, that, like kids can be so cruel. Like They always are. So I mean, not always, but yeah, yeah. Uh, kids are little jerks. Yeah, they're Would sociopaths. You rather ha- yes. Would you rather – it's so true. Not enough people acknowledge that. Would you rather have a kid who's bullied or would you rather have a bully? It's hard because I was bullied. Not a lot, but, you know, if I had to pick one of those, I was definitely bullied, mm-hmm. especially my last two years of high school were bad. And just how shitty that felt, I wouldn't want my kid to feel that, but I also wouldn't want my kid to have other kids feel that. Yeah. I think ultimately the kids who are bullied uh, or maybe grow up to be more interesting? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. But I think, think those so? scars... Well, I think that the ones who... I'm going to make some gross generalizations here, but I think the ones that are bullied, I think probably tend to have more heart and more compassion and maybe are more artistic. But I think the scars last a really long time. Were you bullied at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I was a fat kid, so... Little kids aren't kind to the fat kid. No. Yeah. I mean, so. you're an easy target. Exactly. There's take up a lot of room. So, yeah. And then in se- I mean, seventh grade girls are just vicious. Yeah. Just vicious. So, yeah, I was uh, I was always like fine socially. And then one day, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden the fun <laughs> lunchtime and recess activity became ditching Allison. Aww. So all of a sudden I couldn't find my friends because they were all they, – they, they all went somewhere and I couldn't find them. And then I was all alone. And it was like only – so I would go home from school for like – it was the last two months of seventh grade. And I would go home from school every day crying. Yeah. And that – it sounds kind of silly and ridiculous. And no. the thing is that almost everyone I've talked to has some similar story. Sure. And yet that stayed with me, that, that feeling that one day – Everything can be fine. And then the next day, I can be a social pariah. Yeah. Overnight. That stayed with me for so – like till, I remember in college um, because in – so then all through high school, I really – I just – I wanted to be someone I wasn't. And I think that's how high school is for most people. Like mm-hmm. I really was not OK with who I was. And then in college, I had a really good college experience. But I remember the first week I had a dream that um, a quiz was passed around <laughs> – 
a quiz was passed around where everyone had to check a box and it said, is Allison cool or not? Oh, no. <laughs> Nightmare situation. Yeah. So, so that's how much even in college I was still like, I feel good. I feel like I have friends. Do I? Do I? Does everyone, is, am I okay? Or is yeah. everyone going to decide tomorrow that I'm not cool anymore? I haven't read Mindy Kaling's new book. Emily read it. She says it's great. The title of it is Everyone's Hanging Out Without Me. Yes. It's a great title. I know. I should read that. Um, but Emily has – she when she was in the seventh grade, this girl came up to her and was like, you think you're pretty. That's what she said to Emily. So menacing. Oh, God. And Emily used to like dye her hair with uh, markers. Mm-hmm. So these girls – because she was like a weird kid – would like hold her head down in the bathroom and wash it out of her hair. Oh, my God. And for me, like I was great until like – uh, we have uh, 13 years of schooling instead of 12 as here. Like the British system is 13. Uh, it is 12 here, right? 12 yeah. years of high school? Yeah. 13 there. So after the – till the 11th grade, I was good. I was one of the cool kids. I was definitely a nerd, but everyone liked me. Like I was friends with everyone. You know, I, I was like a – everyone liked me. And then the last two years of high school, I moved to a different school and it was really, really horrible. And I was like – at that point, I was 16 or 17. So it was like really rough to be like a kind of a grown-up, at least mm-hmm. thinking you're a grown-up. And then having everything just go upside down. Uh, that was really, really intense. And I think that definitely uh, stayed with me. I know because those guys will – like friend me on Facebook and <laughs> I get such joy ignoring it. Yes. It's yes. I I think that the the thoughts that I have when I get a a Facebook request from someone who was someone who was a jerk to me a million years ago. I think I over like oh look at you now crawling back. <laughs> oh, you just want to be my friend now because you know I'm on the Adam Carolla show and blah, 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 blah. like I mean it's not to that degree but I suspect all the things that I put on that, that's not what they're thinking. They're just like, oh, there's that girl from school. Click. No, but I bet some of them are. Well, okay. I bet some of them are. I mean, there's that girl from school who I listen to, probably. Yeah. You won. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How – I'm looking at the time. We have less time than I want. Um, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's totally okay. Um, How did you get into comedy? Um, So I was in college and I was studying – Computer science, don't look at me like that. <laughs> uh, I was really bad at it, and I was studying philosophy, which I was good at, but there's nothing you can do with it. Um, and I'd never seen stand-up comedy. I didn't know it was a thing until I think it was I was my senior, sophomore year of college or junior year. I saw Seinfeld, like a, the HBO special, his last one. I'm telling you for the last time. That was mm-hmm. the first stand-up I'd ever seen, and I was like, that is crazy that you could just do that. And make make money. That's your job. Were you always a funny guy? Not uh, until college. Like I wasn't funny in high school. I wasn't funny with my, like my family. Still like how how is this? How are you the one? Because <laughs> my family is funny, uh, but I was never that funny. I was very shy. Mm-hmm. Well, because I thought I had, had my, an eggplant nose. I had an eggplant <laughs> nose. Um, but in college, I was like the funny one of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And then in college, they had this open mic night at this coffee shop, and I saw a friend of mine do stand up, and all my friends were like, You got to do it. You got to try it. So I tried it. And to this day, it's like the best set I've ever had because it was all my friends in the yeah. audience, you know. Uh, best set I've ever had. So, uh, so that's when I was like, All right, I'll keep doing this until it's bad. And then you sort of, it wasn't until years later that I was like, Oh, I guess I'm a comedian. That was when I when I quit my day job. It felt like 2007. I felt like, all right, now I'll call myself a comedian. What was your day job? I worked at the University of Chicago and I did tech support. I was bad at it, so it's, <laughs> I'm breaking the stereotype. Okay. Yeah. Um. Do you still do any of those jokes that you did in your first set? No, no. Uh, there was one. I can think of them. There was one. That I think is still kind of okay. I don't do it anymore. But of the and the first time I did a set, I did like twenty five minutes. Like <laughs> it was just like, you know, just a long set. Um, no, I don't do any of that. Real bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So you have a comedy special coming out, which when this airs, I think it should be right around the same time, July twentieth. Oh, so you have a date, okay? And that is called. It's called Beta Mail, uh, Comedy Central. 
Saturday at midnight because you know that's the best time for <laughs> for people to watch yeah. stuff. Um, there'll be a, and they'll, the CD and DVD will come out three days after, so you can buy it too. And but, why did you t- title it that? Do you consider yourself that? I do consider myself a beta male, and I genuinely do. And a lot of the stories, it's a lot of like longer stories, and they all sort of. I was looking at them, and they're all sort of were about me being scared in different situations. I realized that. So I was like, oh, the name should be something that sort of mirrors this because it, it's like I have three sort of longer stories that are each about six or seven minutes that I think are sort of the center of that whole special. Mm-hmm. And they're all about like me being scared uh, in various situations. And it wasn't like I decided to talk about that. I was just like a lot of these stories are just about me being like scared. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I went with. Do you feel – like you don't I'm – I'm trying to phrase this question right. Um, like you need to man up or like you don't fit the mold of like what society says a, a, a man should be? The, the, the thing that society says a man should be seems to kind of be changing it a little bit. Like if you look at our leading men now, like Seth Rogen and stuff, they're right. sort of beta males. It's – it's almost gone in the other direction too much where like the nerdy guys, now the cool guy. So I was always, since I was a little kid, very aware of being manly. Like I remember changing the way I walked and the way I talked to be like more manly. Yeah, that's so interesting. At what age? Um, maybe like 12 or 13. I how, remember- do you, how do you walk more manly? Well, watch me walk, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like – I don't like know. More I, of a swagger? More, slightly more of a swagger, but not too much because I don't want to stand out either. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want to blend in. So I remember like throwing my shoulders back, standing up a little bit straighter, walking as if I didn't give a shit. No. Like that was for yeah. me was important. It was like walking like, oh, if I'm they'll, – they'll wait for me, you know, <laughs> that kind of vibe. Nobody's buying that. <laughs> and then talking also like trying to drop my register and like uh, not – not go up high at the end of sentences and stuff. I remember specifically practicing that alone. That's that is a thing that boys have to learn, isn't it? I think I think that there young boys there is a tendency to to be more emphatic, I think. I think so and I but I think to some boys it comes naturally. I think some boys just sort of soak it in and then I didn't. I was very aware of I I want, did not want to be like feminine at all when mm-hmm. I was a kid. That was uh, very, very, like, important to me for whatever reason. So I, I had to, like, sort of study it a little bit. Where do you think that was coming from? Uh, I think it was coming from, you know, uh, the other kids at school. The cool ones were all, like, sort of manly kids. And, like, the the skinny sort of effeminate ones were the ones that they were making fun of. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of skinny. So I was like, I don't want to be in that group. I want to be in the group that's the oppressors. <laughs> Uh, but I never got to be an oppressor. Mm. There's, there's still time. I wish I could go back now. I would <laughs> fucking bully everyone. I'd be great at it now. Yeah. I could roast them. <laughs> I'd be great. And then, because you're funny, that you could use your humor to win them over. Yeah. And then you wouldn't. You could be a benevolent bully. Oh, yeah, the yeah, un-bully. yeah. Like, I want to be the kind of bully where I hurt your feelings, but you're laughing too much to really care. <laughs> yeah. That's in my head. That's what I – but I was never funny in high school, so it just went away. Yeah. So, and then you also have a show that got picked up, right? The Meltdown with Jonah and Kamel? Yeah. So uh, Jonah Ray and I host this show that Emily uh, produces every Wednesday, 830 at Meltdown Comics on uh, Sunset 5522 West Sunset. And we did a pilot for Comedy Central. And they picked it up to series. So we're going to do – I think like eight episodes. Uh, we're going to start that next year. Um, and it's just a stand-up show that Jonah and I will host. It'll be shot back there. The pilot came out really, really good. I'm, I was really happy with how it turned out. And That's I'm great. excited to do that. And then I'm going to do this um, uh, Mike Judge HBO show. Oh, cool. What is that? The, it's called right now, the tentative title is Silicon Valley. It's going to change. But it's, uh, it's me and uh, – do you know T.J. Miller? Mm-hmm. Yes, we've had him on the show. Oh, and uh, Martin Starr. Do you know him? No. From Freaks and Geeks. Okay. And uh, Thomas Middledish, a bunch of us, uh, Zach Woods from The Office. Uh, we all sort of start our own company in Silicon Valley. We're all like sort of uh, computer nerds that start a company. And it's uh, Mike Judge and I'm 
We start that in October. I'm really excited about that. That's very exciting. Does that film here? Yeah, it films here. I always confuse Mike Judge and Mike White. Um, I'm realizing they're I- both great. Mike Judge is Beavis and Butthead, right? Idiocracy, Office Space, uh, King of the Hill. Mike White is Enlightened, The Good Girl, The Good Girl. Uh, actually, a bunch of freaks and geeks do. He's great. Mike White's amazing. Uh, I did have them correct in my head, I think, except that I think I thought Mike White was Idiocracy. Uh, Mike Judge, yeah. yeah. I love that movie, too. Um, I think we should do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right. Zach PSX says, I drink water from the kitchen sink and never the bathroom sink. I imagine bathroom sink water being less pure. Yes, I do the same. Well, I actually don't drink it from the kitchen sink because I would just get – I would drink it from a filter. But if I were to drink water straight from the tap, I realize that makes me sound like I'm a prissy, which I am. If I were to drink from the tap, I would do kitchen sink and I wouldn't do bathroom sink. Yeah, I genuinely – I do drink from the tap even though – when they do test the water, you know, it has, like, uh, antidepressants and Viagra and stuff in it a it little does? bit. It does? Because, yeah, because they clean the water. So it's it's from people's piss. So people are pissing it out and they clean it and they get all the bad stuff out and then they give it to you again. So it's got – so that idea is horrible to me. Yeah. But um, I kind of drink from both. Really? That's <laughs> yeah. good. There's no reason not to drink from the bathroom tap except that the idea that – It's less some, pure. You think that, but it's not. Well, Same but, water. But I'm drinking something and just like a step away, I do horrible things. So I think it's better to go to the kitchen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gary? Um, I, yeah, I would definitely drink water from that tap if it was closer. Um, I brush my teeth with tap water from the sink. So. Well, yeah, but you spit that out. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I drink from anything. Whatever. What, Give me a hose. What happens if you drink the non-potable water on an airplane? Would you drink that? What is that? Is that the water that comes out of the sink? Yeah, in yeah. the bathroom. There's a sign usually saying non-potable. Don't drink it. I'd have to be really – I'd have to be in a bad situation to drink that. Right. Well, it's also hard to get too much of it because you have to hold the button down yes. to like get the yeah. – You can't even out. rinse your hands. Yeah. And you can barely rinse your hands. I don't fit in an airplane bathroom as it is. Yeah, so. that's true. He's tall. He does look tall. All right, Woodloaf says, when an animal takes a dump, I cannot look away. I like how good his name matches with what he's talking about. (laughs) Um, I don't have that problem. In fact, I oftentimes feel like I should look away to give my dog privacy, although I don't know that he actually cares. I have definitely at certain points looked to just – this is going to be so gross. Please. We are very gross here. To see the poop actually coming out of the hole, mm-hmm. just to see what it looks like, right. and then I'll look away. And not every time, but I've definitely probably seen poop come out of 40 holes in my life. Do you, none do you have of, a favorite? None of them. Human, my own is great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm realize, That's like one of those things where you realize... You never really see yourself. No. You're only seeing your reflection. I, I don't think I've ever seen my – No. That poop – I don't – it's funny that all of a sudden I'm getting shy. Why am I getting shy? I've never seen poop come out of my own butthole. No. You really can't see that. Although sometimes – this is a just me or everyone. You can catch a reflection you if you look in the water. I was so grossed out by poop that for the first six years I had never looked at my own poop or like certain age. And I thought poop looked like um, little discs. <laughs> In my head, poop looked like, <laughs> like you know when you get How a, disappointing when you saw what it really looks yeah, like, right? Yeah, much worse. Yeah. When I saw those little, um, you know the candy that comes in like those... Uh, Sweet tarts or... The, the disc-shaped things or like uh, when you get shoe polish, like old school shoe polish uh-huh. in those little disc yeah, containers. Yeah, right. Um, I thought that's what shit looked like. Like icebreakers? Is that what Kind of like icebreakers, yeah. I thought it... So little ones. Yeah. Little discs. Like a bunch of little like ones. Little, like rabbit poo pellets. Well, yeah. Well, theirs are like a strange shape. It's pretty yeah. impressive that they do that. So what were your thoughts when you saw what it really looks like? I was like... I mean, assuming that's not what it looks like. It, gross. Yeah. Real gross. It it looks like shit. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. <laughs> Pony Loves Johnny says, see a pet in a foreign movie and think, that dog is Japanese and imagine it responding to Japanese commands. 
Every now and then I will have that realization, but not often. You know what I have a lot? If I see a movie that's slightly older, I'm like, oh, that dog is dead. Oh, this <laughs> yeah. cat is dead. Yeah. Yeah. I remember having a um, at a young age seeing Oliver and I had a crush on the guy who played the Artful Dodger. And then oh. I realized – but I was like six. Yeah. And then I realized he at that point was 30 or something. I don't know if that's right. Of course, it's funny now because then it's like 30. That's an old person, you know, when you're six. Yeah. Now, <laughs> be fine. <laughs> Anthony RC627. I would say a 30-year-old with, 30 with a 6-year-old would still not be fine. <laughs> right. But. I know. Yeah. I guess that's an extreme example of when you're like, I was 14 and he was 19 and that was too much. But now, you know. Yeah, 30 and 6 is crazy. <laughs> Anthony RC627. I get. I feel like we did this one or this one has just come in twice. I get really happy when I meet someone with the same name or oh, we have not done this one. Sorry. Same name or birthday as myself. Like, like if we will be great friends. Um, I do. Yes. Yes. I often feel like if I meet someone who has part of my name or my whole name or the same birthday, we should have a kinship. Yeah. Um, Chris here who's on the Thursday episodes of my show often, wasn't he parked next to someone who had the exact – it was the exact same car, exact same license plate except for one letter? Yeah, it was the same color Civic from the same year and six of the characters were the same and the last digit was different. And the other person did not care at all about it, right? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the well, person was like, whoa, whatever. In fairness to the other person, the other person thought Chris was trying to steal her car because when she walked up oh. to her car, Chris was trying to get his kid to work in it. <laughs> And then Chris figured it out and tried to bring her in on the joke. And yeah. she, at that point, she just wanted the creepy guy away from her. Yeah, yeah. I get that too, I guess. E.A. Cutler 27. I hate it when stair steps are too far apart to climb with one stride, but too close to take a normal sized step in between. Yes. Let's talk about the scourge that is weirdly spaced shallow steps. And steps that are not uniformly spaced in the same staircase. Yes. What? Why are they deciding to go their own way? Oh, yeah. Some of them are lower, higher. Yeah. I, it's no good. No. I don't like eclectic steps. <laughs> yeah, conform. <laughs> Clitty Scent says, when someone says, I could care less, I suppress the urge to correct them to, I couldn't care less. Could means they care a lot. I appreciate the sentiment of this. Like when people misuse literally, it drives me nuts. But I think I accidentally say I could care less sometimes. But people do say I could care less and I think they're – he's right or she's right that it should be. I it, couldn't yeah. care less because I'm at the bottom of caring. Right. I'm at zero. Right. I couldn't care less. It would be physically impossible for me to care less. Yeah. I could care less about, you know uh, – Your wife. Yeah, about my wife. I could care a lot less. Because I'm like pretty high up there. On the carometer, right? I'm like uh, in the hundreds. What's the max? <laughs> what do you want it to be? I'll just keep increasing it every year. <laughs> That's beautiful. Jen7284. Speaking of stress, were we? But okay. I feel like I often am. Speaking of stress, it causes <laughs> me undue distress when I tweet out improper grammar and can't take it back. Yes. You know what I hate is the autocorrect fucks me up like yeah. changes live to love and then i have a tweet that i really like and two minutes later i see that and now i have to delete it i do delete it i do too but i always worry that people are going to be like you just tweeted that or at that point people have already retweeted the wrong one yeah i i had one recently that by the time i realized it had like 70 faves oh, no. and i had to like delete it and do it again it's tough. Tough. What I don't like, and this does not always happen, but oftentimes if you have Instagram, go your Instagram caption, if you include a Twitter name and then you have it go through to Twitter, mm-hmm. it takes out the at symbol. Oh, yeah. And it changes the name sometimes too. Yes. Yeah. It, I they, hate that. And then I have to erase it on Twitter and then redo the exact same thing. And then it's so similar that it almost looks like I'm just retweeting. I'm tweeting the same thing. I think the having to click on Twitter to open up Instagram separately That's is like bullshit. true hardship. That's yeah. bullshit. That is true hardship. Especially because they gave us like seven or eight months where you didn't have to do that. Yeah. Where you could just see Instagram pictures. Yeah. I, I boycotted Instagram when that happened. Yeah. It pissed it's, me off that it's, Well, I mean it was – I think Twitter was the bad guy. There. No, I know. I think they were but – I've chosen my I've chosen my side. You have to choose Twitter. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Vine, yes or no? I don't do it. 
You know the problem with Vine is you can't just look at it if you're like you have to have Volume. sound and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm okay with the few people out there who do Vines well. But yeah. these amateurs need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I I include myself in that. I don't yeah. I'm not putting out any Vines. I'm not creative enough. But there are people out there who are using it for really cool stop motion animation and shit like that. That's yeah. cool. I'm with that. Who are they reaching with that though? I don't know. Will Sasso's got a Crystalia. ton of followers. He's really good at it. Yeah, Will Sasso's good. Do you guys know Rudy Mancuso? No. He's like this kid who has like half a million Vine followers. Oh, my God. Is he the first Vine celebrity? He sort of is. He's like the Rob I Delaney of Vine. <laughs> he has a uh? uh, ton of followers and he does all these different characters and stuff. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, he's good. Laurel TQ, when I see someone laughing while sitting in traffic, I assume they're listening to the same hilarious podcast as I am. I love that. I assume they're laughing at me. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> I don't mean my podcast. You mean your podcast, right? No, yeah. I mean me. <laughs> just you sitting in the car like, yeah. look at this stupid person. Right. Like that kind of thing? Not always. I'm just saying that oftentimes – I'll notice that I'll be in public with someone and we'll be laughing about something. It has nothing to do with anyone. It has to do with some dumb thing that we said. And then I'll realize that if I were listen, if I were just a, per, a stranger standing there hearing my friend and me laugh, I would worry that they're laughing about me. Uh-huh. Because yeah. sometimes. Uh, even though – even if we aren't. Yeah. I definitely had that at one point in my life. I would be like, oh, they're laughing at me. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about years ago. Not today. <laughs> no, now I'm – I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm i sort of a dick now, so I don't care anymore. That's good. Yeah, maybe. You don't sound like a dick. It sounds like you're healthy. I'm not completely healthy. Okay. But getting there, trying to be. Are you in therapy? No. How are you, get, how, how are you doing it then? I mean, there are ways to do it without therapy, I'm just asking. Well, Emily is a therapist. <laughs> oh, that's so convenient. Uh, she doesn't practice anymore, and obviously she doesn't. So I'm not one of our clients. But I think we both have a really good sense of like – she calls me on my bullshit a lot. So I think that sort of helps. Mm -hmm. She also makes me realize fucking things that I have been doing my whole life that I didn't know. Like she'll be like, I'll get – I'll say something angry at her and she's like, all right, this happened. So you're angry at that and you can't control that. So now you're putting it into this. And I'm like – that is that just gets me more angry for thirty seconds because I'm like she's fucking right that sucks <laughs> and then I'm like you're exactly right or like if I I'll have this thing where I have like a big uh, job coming up I'm nervous for and I'll just start I'll be like I, where's my Bruce Springsteen shirt that one Bruce and I'll just keep like I'll freak out Fixate. and I'll just look for it and she's like you're just obviously st-. or sometimes I'll be stressed and she's like what are you stressed about I'm like nothing I'm fine she's like I can see what are you stressed about and then I have to think and I didn't even know I was stressed but I was. So that kind of shit really helps. What do you do for her? Uh, sex. <laughs> <laughs> Pony Loves Johnny says, I hate when I'm brushing or blow drying my hair and a strand of hair gets caught between my nail and my nail polish. Oh, yes. That is annoying. And it's murder on your manicure. I, I can't relate. Yeah. I'd imagine my hair's too case. short to get stuck in. Not that I don't wear nail polish, <laughs> right? But that my hair's no, too short. No, your hair. That's, yeah. that is the impediment to you relating to this. Yes, exactly. All right. Um, do you happen to have a hey go fuck yourself? Is there anyone you'd like to call out uh, specifically, or just it, in general? It could be. We do specifics and we do general. I'll say in general, being a guy who's Indian or Middle Eastern or whatever on Twitter, I get a lot of racist shit. All I'm saying is. Switch it up. I see the same things over and over. If you can't think of a new way to be racist to me, go fuck yourself. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's annoying the uh, lack of creativity. Everyone with says the, the same thing. Do, what do they say? Okay, I'm li- okay. Here are the words you can't use if you're going to be racist to me. Don't use taxi. Don't use Dunkin' Donuts. Don't use Seven Eleven. Don't use terrorist. Don't use nine eleven. Don't use Al Qaeda. It's not that many words that you can't use. And then, you know, without that, now now try and be hurtful. <laughs> I, I, well, sometimes, like, all I want to do is all those people who are saying the same thing, just, like, link them to each other and be like, look how not creative right. you are. You're all Hack. saying the same thing. Does it hurt your feelings or did it ever? You know, it sort of depends on the day. Uh, I know that it's them. So it's okay. But if I'm like stressed or in a shitty mood, something will really like get to me, you know, even though it's horribly racist and it's obviously not on me. But 
just the idea that they're reducing you to like this very small thing that they see in their head. Yeah. Uh, it can sometimes just it it can it's prickly, you know. Yeah. No, I know. I get I get anti-Semitic stuff, um, and I have the same feeling about it, which is like, okay, well, this it's this person, and yet. Uh, yeah, the fact gets- that like this exists in the world, uh, it makes me it makes me say, "Hey, hey, hey, go fuck yourself." Exactly. The idea that these people are out there eating food and drinking <laughs> water like gets me so angry. Yeah, like they have a- having children and pets. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I'll see them with like a little person, and I'm like, "Oh God, I hope that baby's better than you." I know. I know. Well, Kumail, thank you so much for being on my show. This oh, thanks- was super fun. Thanks so much for having me. This was awesome. I totally enjoyed this. Okay, so people can they can find your special beta male. They can see it on. Comedy, Comedy Central, Central and, July 20th at midnight. Yes, and they can buy your CD and DVD. I would recommend, I bet it'll be on Amazon, right? Yeah, and July 23rd is when it comes out, so pre-order it. Perfect. Go through the Amazon banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps the show. Great. And they can follow you on Twitter. Oh, yeah, Kumail, N-K-U-M-A-I-L-N, and listen to my podcast, The Indoor Kids. It's about video games on uh, the Nerdist Network. And look for um, The Meltdown with Jonah and Kumail coming Some, someday. Sometime next sometime year. Sometime soon. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. Oh, and if you would like to tell someone to go fuck themselves, we have that ringtone that you just heard. Hey, hey. Go fuck yourself. Is available. You can purchase that with your iPhone. Just search Hey Go Fuck Yourself in the iTunes store. Um, you don't even have to use it to tell someone to go fuck themselves. You can just use it to to make it hap- make make yourself feel good and to smile when your phone rings or when you get a text. Um, okay, now I'm just babbling. So I'm going to say goodbye to you guys. Um, I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show?